Personal habits of body care or hygiene can have a lot to do with popularity and social success. Let me show you. He's getting his hair wet. He's going to wash it. He doesn't do that every day. He sure does. In fact, if your hair is healthy, you can wash it every day. What? It helps to get rid of dandruff and scalp odors. And the massage stimulates hair growth. This is Does he shave every day? Not all boys need to. It depends on the thickness of your beard. He uses a mild shaving cream or soap, covering the entire beard area with it. Notice how he stretches the skin in some places to get a closer shave. What about that hair? Know what to do about hair that's just been washed? And remember, others have them at this age, too, so don't be embarrassed by them. Where are you going? Brushing your hair after it dries brings luster to it, makes it easier to manage, and it helps to spread the natural scalp oils, making your hair more healthy. Zilnor ran to them excitedly. That's right. My metal friends, this is your lucky day. He looks pretty sharp, all right. Let's see something else that's important to personal hygiene. It began with Mr. Lucas. George Lucas, writer and director of Star Wars. What happened to Darth Vader's grandchildren? Episode number 300 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. 300. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the crazy thing, too, is it's it's really not the 300th episode because if you add in like all the bonus episodes we've done, and especially in 2020 when we were doing a bonus episode like every single week... I think this is actually like 324 or something. But technically, in the numbered off proper episodes, this is the 300th episode of Blast Points, which is crazy. Yeah, it still kind of hasn't sunk in that there's like at least 300 hours of us talking about nonsense. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> Like you could almost listen to one episode a day for a whole year. I think people have done that. <laughs> Well, later in the episode, we are going to be talking about an extremely important topic, the history of George Lucas's hair, the hair to the empire, if you will. George Lucas' hairstory. Which, of course, for the 300th episode, why wouldn't we? It may be something that we've talked about more than anything else. Or have we? Or do we just talk about Luke Skywalker's hair? 
That may have been. Or Maydean's hair. Like George Lucas, that- deep down, we should have been hairdressers, I think is really what we're saying. Because we were paying very close attention to it all the time. Well, Star Wars and hair, it's, you know, it has a unique relationship. Do you think if you weren't a filmmaker, you would have been an interior decorator? Um, I might have been an architect. I wanted to be an architect what when I was that? growing up. That was my big deal. So you know John Lennon said he would be a hairdresser? Yeah, I'd like to be a hairdresser, too. Really? But... Yeah, maybe instead of going to art school in another universe, there's a blast points that met each other at barber school, at barber college. Well, before we get into that incredible history of Lucas Hair, we'll just spend a little bit here in the beginning, kind of getting nostalgic, looking back on past 300 episodes. I know we were talking before we started recording. It's really hard to pick like favorite episodes. And it's also really strange. Like we noticed that the stuff from Celebration Chicago was like episodes like 166 and stuff around there. And from when we started the show to Celebration Chicago and then from Chicago to now is almost the same amount of time. Which is insane. Like, by the time we get to Celebration Anaheim, hopefully if that happens in May, it'll have been the same amount of episodes from when we started to Chicago. Which, that is insane. Yeah, it's all crazy trying to remember what episodes happened when. And I'm always happy to hear when there's people who remember a particular episode that they enjoyed. Because, yeah, they're all kind of a blur now. (laughs) It's true. And there's ones that I'm like, oh, we just did that last year. And then I look and it was like episode 60 or something. And then there's ones that I'm like, oh, that one's really old. And then I look and it was from like the end of 2020 or something like that. So I don't know. It's amazing that it's been, what, five years, all these episodes. And there's people that enjoy listening to all of our ridiculous nonsense and I don't know. It's amazing. It's amazing that we made this much stuff, and it's even more amazing that people enjoy listening to it. 100%, because, yeah, that's the thing that's like, I'm always amazed that we we never stop running out of ideas, too, that we still have, like, you know, when things like trailers come out and stuff, it's like, well, we got to shuffle around this huge list of ideas we have for episodes. (laughs) But yeah, even crazier than that and cooler than that is the fact that, seriously, I feel like when we started this, we were doing this as a lark and like for each other and like, let's see what happens and like for a handful of friends. And the fact that as many people listen as they do and so many people that let us know that they listen and how much just our goofiness, how much joy that's brought people and people sharing that with us either in apple podcast reviews or emails or messages on social media or in person at celebrations and stuff it's just it's the coolest feeling it's crazy and i don't think we ever expected that to be something that would come from this it's just such a cool it's really it's really great it's really really awesome no that really is true because it is thinking back how many people we've met and people we would call friends now and people that were just 
we interact with, even if it's just virtually on a regular basis that we've met because of doing the podcast and just how much it's made our lives that much more fun of, you know, talking about Star Wars with more people and finding out new crazy stuff about Star Wars from people who've listened to episodes and are like, do you guys know about this? Have you heard about this thing? And that's part of the joy of never running out of things to talk about because there's always new, new stuff. And we're always hearing about and finding new old stuff that I don't know, will it ever end? I, <laughs> it's always the greatest, like when we get a message on something, it's like, don't know if you guys have seen this, but this seems like something you guys would be into. And it's like, oh, do tell. <laughs> oh, the thing too, that it's like the, like you were saying the, how many people we've gotten to like meet or talk to, we've told the story many, many times on the show, like the going back to the roots of blast points really, well, the early roots is living together in grand rapids and going completely star Wars, crazy buying power of the force action figures and covering the, the windows of our apartment in grand rapids with newspaper to watch the laser disc of empire strikes back. Like that's still like when I tell people that stuff, they're just like, man, what (laughs) the goal, the golden years, but the roots of the show really <laughs> celebration, Anaheim 2015, leading up to Celebration Anaheim, how I was listening to a bunch of Star Wars podcasts and I was so excited and just about every one that I listened to made me mad on some different level. It's <laughs> like, God, if, they, if only they did this and if only did they, they did that, then yeah, and then going to Celebration Anaheim and what an incredible like energy was in that place and then really really especially we've said it over and over tom spina and pablo hidalgo's secrets of the cantina panel which was so hardcore and so silly like the combination of those two things like so informative and so funny and ridiculous and mind-blowing after that we were like if we could do a podcast that was like that (laughs) Like, that would be good. And then years later to have Spina on the show many, many times. And now to count, like, think of Spina as, like, a friend of ours. I don't know. That's really cool. Really cool. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Not something I would have would have expected. And, and I'm very happy that it's happened. And also, I mean, just the fact that I'm glad that you... We're like, hey, you want to do this podcast thing? Because it's not something I think I would have ever thought to do on my own. And it's been a lot of fun for me because it is something that I don't think I wouldn't, I would have ever done if you wouldn't have asked me to. So after 300 episodes, thank you for that too, of, of kind of dragging me along on this adventure that I'm grown to love. Yeah. Well, and thank you for saying yes too, because that was the thing where I remember telling my wife, I was like, you know, I think I might do a Star Wars podcast. And she was just like, who would you do it with? And I was like, well, Gabe, of course, you know, like, <laughs> but that's, a th- you know, when people listen to the show. One of the first things they ask is just like, how long have you guys known each other? But that was a free, like when my wife met you, that was the, th- it freaked out my wife. Cause she's like, Oh my God, it's another you. <laughs> like there's two of you in the world. Or, or, uh, I think when we came, uh, to Michigan to visit in, in, uh, you and I were driving around and, and my wife was in the back seat and she was the same kind of thing. She's like, oh, it's like listening to two of you <laughs> talk. I can't. 
It's too much. I can't do this every day. It's been just amazing. And I, I know often we're like, when we talk about like past episodes, there's stuff that we just can't, we still can't believe we actually did because if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that back in the nineties, we used to watch the QVC star Wars specials all the time. And we've been talking about the QVC star Wars specials for decades. And the fact that we talked to separately, Steve Sansweet and Steve Bryant about the QVC Star Wars specials. And I still think we're the only show that's ever dived that deep into the Star Wars QVC specials. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Well, and and the fact that, too, that they were both so, like, wonderful to talk to. Like, you know, it is the, always the thing of, like, be careful when you talk to your heroes or, you know, those sorts of things because you never know how people are going to be. But both of those guys were just... It was so awesome to talk to them just because we were talking to them and also just to to see that they were the way we remembered them in our dreams. Yeah, I know when we got done talking to Steve Bryant, we were like, can you believe that happened? Like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's another thing that's been just kind of exciting and, and fun to look back of how many things were on our, like, original list of like, man, here's episodes we should do. And the fact that, you know, now 300 episodes later, there's still stuff we're just now getting around to because there's just been so many things that have either come up or that we've come across and that keeping it exciting that it's like, well, we got to keep going. We haven't got through the list yet. <laughs> <laughs> we still have ideas from 2016 that we keep pushing off that are really, that are going to be really fun eventually. And well, and that's the thing too. We keep meeting more people like on social media or whatever and adding different voices and different flavors into the show and breaking up the rhythm for us and keeping things interesting and different perspectives and it's been a crazy ride, just like Star Wars. It's far from being done. I mean, I still think, too, the fact that we talked to David Zaritsky about Quest of the Jedi. That's another like QVC kind of thing where, I mean, Quest of the Jedi, the ultimate Star Wars fan film. Yeah, I think about that like once a month. <laughs> like, did, did we really do that? And was he really willing to talk to us? He talked to us for a long time. And it came out of like when we were doing the bonus episodes during COVID, during like the darkest times of COVID, where we were doing every, we did a commentary on Quest of the Jedi. And somehow he found out that we did a commentary for this Star Wars fan film that he made in the 1980s or early 90s or something. And he's like, oh, I guess I better talk to these guys about it. Yeah. And he was great. Yeah. He was wonderful. We finally found out the true story of Quest of the Jedi. And, no, and yeah, that really is, at least for us, that's what keeps us going because it's, you know, these moments that we never would have imagined we would have done or would have happened. And they're all because of us talking, sucking silly stuff every week on the on the radio. And even, you know, on a serious note, too, the talking to J.W. Rinsler a couple times, the unused story ideas for Return the Jedi episode and when he did his Q&A from his house on YouTube and we asked about his, his cat, <laughs> that was when we did the Return of the Jedi episode, he had his, his sick cat wandering around his house. And he was like, oh, don't mind that cat. And Sorry, that's my dying cat. You know, the fact that 
his making of Star Wars books are so influential with us with doing any kind of research. I mean, that's always like the first thing we check for anything. Yeah, it really just goes to show that even though sometimes it seems like Star Wars fans can be the worst, but that deep down really Star Wars fans are kind of the best. And the people the people making the new stuff and the old stuff are all kind of the best. The best people. here at the Lowe's Astor Plaza at 8.30 this morning, and even at that early hour, the line was five football fields long. That's five across. If they would have been single file, they would have been standing all the way to New Jersey. The very first person in line was a teenage boy. He started standing Sunday at midnight, and uh, the theater felt sorry for him, so they let him in for free. But the rest of these people are shelling out cash like it's going out of style. Return of the Jedi is being released today on exactly the same day that the original Star Wars was released six years ago. That meant happy birthday for one little boy here in New York. He's coming back for his sixth birthday now to see it himself. All Return right. of the Jedi. All right. So he's a big fan, right? Return of the Jedi! Return of the Jedi! Return of the Jedi! Since we're speaking of the people who make Star Wars, maybe we should talk about the most important person who made Star Wars and the most important thing about the person who made Star Wars, his hair. Yes, exactly. That, and that brings us to, yeah, the, the main topic of the 300th episode of Blast Points. Is it maybe the most important topic we've ever done? The history of George Lucas's hair? Maybe. It's up there. It's a story that needs to be told, and we might be the only people to tell it. So where does the story of George Lucas's hair begin? Well, it begins sometime between 1944 and 1945. He was born in 1944. I don't know how long after birth he had a full head of hair. I'm assuming very quickly. There is one baby photo of George Lucas, and he's in like overalls and a striped shirt. And he's kind of, he's pushing himself up with his arms and he's, he's got a classic George Lucas face, even as a small baby, but he's kind of got a little poof of hair on the top of his head. Yeah. I was going to say he kind of already has a little bit of the, the classic George Lucas hair. Cause if you had to boil down his hair to like the signature part, it's the, the curly poof in the center and yes. Yeah. Young baby George Lucas already has the poof. And that's a really good observation too. That there there seems to be, you know, like like a like a Buzz Droid or like the big droids on uh, on Book of Boba a couple of weeks ago. There's 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 the center. There's the red center. There's the control unit, and that seems to be like the center of the head, the the poof that where all the power is coming from. Yeah, that's the the vortex of energy where it. It all begins just below the poof. Well, and then the next photo we have where it's a, it's a young photo of Lucas. And again, he's wearing overalls and like a white T-shirt. And 
the interesting thing with this young Lucas, where it's very clearly him, but his hair is very short and it's kind of blonde. Yeah, it's almost like he's not ripe yet. <laughs> he's got to he's got to stay on the vine for a few more weeks. Well, now I think we kind of start to get into 1950s Lucas, and there's there's a brief period of time where he. It's like there's like high school Lucas and he has just a very traditional kind of short brown kind of haircut. Yeah, there's kind of like a I don't know, it's like the gestation period where he's he's just got kind of a clear clean cut normal haircut, young adult George Lucas. He hasn't quite blossomed into the the next chapter of his hair, maybe the the true origin story of his hair. Which is uh, which was wonderfully uh, dramatized in the Who Is George Lucas book for children, where it says George grew his hair past his ears and slicked it back with Vaseline. George was becoming a greaser. It mentions how his uh, boyhood friends, like John Plummer, had been nice kids, but his new friends were greasers. George was the smallest kid in his class, but he had tough friends, like a local gang in black leather jackets called the Faros. So from an early age, he knew to surround himself with the best people for the job. It's like the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> you're, you're nothing without your tribe. And if your tribe is big guys in black leather jackets, even better. When are we making black leather jackets to say the Faros for Star Wars Celebration? It's never too late and it's never too early. Well, there is one photo of Lucas, I think, from this period of time. With some really outrageous hair. It's like combed down in the middle, like the, the focal point, the strong, the, the energy point. The sides are combed up. It's, it's a pompadour like I've never seen before. It's almost, it's like a reverse greaser pompadour or something. It's greasy, but it's combed forward instead of back. This also is a picture of him with, is this the, the proto George Lucas flannel plaid shirt look too it really could be because also like we're going to explore later with the, the evolution of lucas it's it's like it's it's a dress plaid shirt too and he's got the collars buttoned down which is which is an interesting choice well then after greaser high school lucas then we kind of go into the usc period which is a very fascinating period of time because there's the, there's like the photos of Lucas, like the famous photo of him, like holding a camera up where he's like young, super hunky, handsome George Lucas. Right. With no beard, sunglasses, big hair. It's like James Dean Lucas. But the the hair has really just gotten large, which I start to wonder with the hair if it just naturally grows up into this pompadour like when he wakes up in the morning is it in that pompadour state he has magical hair that's a fact his <laughs> hair is magic the movie strange magic is really about his hair in going through getting ready for this episode and looking at hundreds of photos of george lucas's hair which I think we can find some way to make our photo archive of his hair available on the blastpointspodcast.com. Maybe perhaps as you're listening to this, you can pull up our website and, and look along with us as a visual aid. Or when you get done listening, if you want to do some research on your own, we've compiled many, many photos of his head. But I have a wild theory that 
almost kind of makes sense that during periods of peak Lucas creativity, the hair gets bigger. I, I believe it. There's definitely, there's power in that hair. You don't have hair like that unless there's a reason. We have here Lucas at USC doing his crazy experimental short films. This is peak creative energy, Lucas. This is the period of time that defines where he's going after that. Well, and what's interesting is after that time and before kind of feature film George Lucas, there is the mysterious goatee period. Very, very rare, like spotting a unicorn. There's a photo of him filming THX 11384EB, the short film. And there's a, there's a very rare photo of him right in the, the Star Wars archives book of him at USC with a goatee. But it's interesting how he wasn't quite bearded Lucas yet. And he was slowly making his way to the beard with the goatee. He was introducing the concept, almost like slowly introducing a new technology, taking baby steps first. Well, it's like he realized that the hair on the top of his head had power, but he's experimenting with, does the hair on my face have that power too? What if I combine the two? Then what happens? And then he does combine the two. First times we see photographs of the evidence of the combination of the two on the set of THX 1138. Maximum power. And this look, this THX 1138 look, it is... The trifecta of George Lucas' power and style, where we have big hair, it is long hair, the beard, and the chunky glasses. Go big or go home. Be bold. Big hair, big glasses, big beard, big ideas, capital letters in your movie, THX. Come on. Bold with a capital bold. I graduated from USC. I went to work as an editor on a USIA film, worked as a cameraman for Saul Bass and a few other people, and then uh, decided that I really wanted to be a director. So I back to USC as a graduate student for one semester, made a bunch more films, and then got this scholarship to go to Warner Brothers to sort of observe making movies. When the scholarship finished, Francis had decided that he wanted... he didn't really uh, like his experience making Phineas Rainbow. He wanted to get back down to doing street films and, you know, avant-garde, more uh, uh, honest kinds of movies. So um, what happened is um, uh, Francis went down to to Hollywood and, um, again, the studio was being sold to another corporation, and uh, Francis went in there and said, you know, we already have this deal to make movies and you have to give us a go-ahead. And he really did a lot of fast talking. He said, we have seven projects here we can do and, you know, we want funding. And um, so they uh, eventually said yes. You know, they had no idea what they were saying yes to. And uh, later on, as the whole thing came to pass, when they finally saw THX, they saw the seven scripts we'd written uh, they basically closed the place down and forced Francis to pay all the money back.
is such an amazing look too because it is like this long haired Lucas just unbelievable it I don't even understand how this hair makes any sense because he's like it's a pompadour it's loose he's combing it back it goes down to like the middle of his neck he's still rocking the beard there's just a lot going on and it's an incredible look well and it's extra special because it's kind of a look that we never see again there's variations and he gets close but this hairstyle this look shines very brightly and burns out quickly. <laughs> well, the next photographic evidence we have of Lucas Hare, mid-70s, is him kind of on the set of American Graffiti. The hair is big. It's very round. It's very wavy. The beard is still large and in charge. What's your impression of uh, American Graffiti hair? Well, it's much like American Graffiti, the film, where it's a more refined, softer George Lucas it's a more accessible hairstyle to go with his more accessible style filmmaking. The core of the energy is still there, but the harsh edges have been trimmed off. America is having a love affair with a movie, American Graffiti. Where were you in 62? Easily the best movie so far this year, New York Times. Sensationally funny, profoundly affecting, Los Angeles Times. A very exciting experience, Family Circle. Super fine, Time Magazine. Four stars, highest rating. By all means, go and enjoy it. New York Daily News. You'll love American Graffiti, rated PG. And then getting ready for the filming of Star Wars, there's a a brief period of time where like, there's some behind the scenes photos of like him with like Francis Coppola and stuff where the beard is trimmed, the hair is trimmed. Like he got like a haircut and it's just like this brown shape on top of his head. That's very much more controlled. But then once we get into the filming of star Wars in 1976, it could be the most classic Lucas of young Lucas, the the filming of the original Star Wars look? It's probably, yeah, the most famous, the most memorable. But it's also, it shifts, right? Depending on if he's in Tunisia or in London. Yeah, because the Tunisia hair is very big, very wild. The London hair is more controlled. It's almost like... Tunisia was the beginning of filming, and again, the ideas were huge. And we all know how miserable he was during the London shoot. Perhaps as his mood shrunk, the hair shrunk also. It's like a houseplant. you got to keep it healthy or it shrivels up. It's very true. It's very true. And you got to water it. Give it sunlight. He was inside all during the filming in sound stages in London. He wasn't out in the sun like he was in Tunisia. And it just it was shriveling up. And there's one photo, too, that we've got to talk to talk about that's right around this period of time. It's kind of famous. Whenever you search photos of George and Marsha Lucas, it's the picture that comes up where Marsha is wearing this absolutely incredible, like, military-style shirt that says, like, U.S. Rangers on it. And they're in, like, an editing room. There's all kinds of notes on the wall. Just as impressive as Marsha's military-style shirt is... Lucas's one-time-only haircut. Yeah, we've looked at a lot of pictures, and I swear this is the only time he has this look. I think it's blow-dryer Lucas. 
there's no Vaseline. There's no, there's no product in his hair. It's just wet hair that was blow dried. And it's kind of unsettling. It's really fluffy. And it's just all going back from that central vortex point. And it looks like it's almost like a black hole of hair on top of his head. It's almost like this is, if this was a, a making of documentary, this was like their first test at doing hair. <laughs> they haven't quite figured it out yet. Because, yeah, it's just, it's very fluffy. And like you said, yeah, it comes like right out of the middle of his forehead. His beard's very trimmed. He's trying to keep the beast caged in but it needs to be let free it's like the the beginning documentary when they're doing ewan mcgregor and he's got the braid on each side of his head instead of the one in the back (laughs) highlanders well then we start to go into the post a new hope era it's glasses it's beard it's hair just about every picture from 78 79 Looks about the same. Things start to get really interesting around the time of 1980, 81, when we're in the Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark era, and the hair starts getting huge. Well, what's interesting is the like the late 70s look is it's almost like his life is in balance because his beard and hair are like in perfect balance where they're both about the same length. There's an equilibrium to him that's visible in his beard and hair. And like you're saying, as we get into Empire and things start to get kind of shaken up, the, that balance shifts and his hair gets bigger and his beard gets smaller. It's true. And the glasses are always around. And what's fascinating, too, is I think from the late 70s into the early 80s, it's that same pair of like kind of squared off, kind of round, kind of brown glasses. And you start to see the flannel shirt popping up more and more often here in the 80s. Which I know we talk about the Lucas flannel shirt a lot. But as we're going to get into, there's a whole period of time where you don't see the flannel shirt as much. Yeah, it's definitely there in the late the late 70s. It's, peak, it's still peeking its head out there. It's kind of a transition phase from the sweaters to the flannel before full-on single Lucas, where the where the buttons get unbuttoned shorter and shorter as the years or lower and lower as the years go up, go by. Well, yeah, and that brings us to the mid nineteen eighties. We're talking Return of the Jedi. We're talking Temple of Doom. This is probably my favorite Lucas era because this is absolutely the wildest. This is the closest we get to that THX era. But he looks like an absolute wolfman because the hair is massive and the beard is massive, especially around the Temple of Doom era. There's some photos where he was doing publicity for Temple of Doom. There's one time where he went and visited the set of Temple of Doom and his shirt is unbuttoned halfway down his chest and his hair and beard are massive. He looks like a disco king or something. Well, and it's important to bring up that after his divorce in 83, by 84, he's in a serious relationship with rock and roll singer Linda Ronstadt. Maybe she had some influence on this ultimate Wolfman Lucas look because he doesn't really wear the glasses. Yeah, this is maybe, like you said, compared to either the the wild manness of THX or the, the James Dean look of his 
early college years, like this is the slickest he will ever look. This is the period of time of the Ewok movies. This is the period of time where he does the interview with Rolling Stone, where he's talking about how he's taking guitar lessons, which is very mysterious. This is also during the Star Wars to Jedi time, which is a very good example of this peak Lucas Prime look. The chest hair. It's always shocking whenever you watch from Star Wars, because from Star Wars, the Jedi is just so good. You watch it and you're like, this is so great, all of it. And then they cut to George Lucas sitting on a couch with plants behind him, just lounging with that chest hair coming out. It can be distracting and unsettling. It's it's almost like he's charging up as much hair energy as he can because he's almost overloading with ideas at this time, because this is right around, what, Temple of Doom, Caravan of Courage, Battle of Endor is going to be the next year. Skywalker Ranch. A lot going on. Special effects are just a tool, a means of telling a story. People have a tendency to confuse them as an end to themselves. A special effect without a story is a pretty boring thing. Things kind of calm down a little bit as we go further into the 80s. And we have that brief period of time in, let's say, like 86 or so, when it's back to a more classic Lucas look. The hair is tighter, it's cut, the beard is trimmed. Filming Willow, it's a very classic kind of look. But then we get into the Star Tours era. 1987 and i don't even know i i don't even know how to put in words the star tours era things are off the rails things are out of control it's the late 80s things are getting crazy and yeah george lucas shaves his beard and his hair has this weird almost like diamond shape to it he's not even combing it back it's like it's like he was trying so hard to look like someone else because you look at the face and you're like yeah that's i guess that's george lucas it's really weird though it's unsettling because all those like photos for star tours he's wearing like like a jacket and some weird like kaleidoscope color tie and his hair is like combed down instead of back and no beard i almost wonder if this is one of those things where you know he has two kids at this point and this is kind of uh, peak single dad lucas if one of his daughters was like daddy you should shave your beard <laughs> and he was like okay okay we'll do it <laughs> it took a while to realize oh no that was a mistake <laughs> it's it's the most shocking bizarre thing in the world then after we get past this the, the very awkward stage then we get into the late 80s 88 89 we're getting ready for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and magically he turns it around and he's back to just classic Lucas. Yeah and it's a new classic Lucas because it's the beginning of uh the Silver Fox phase and uh the gray is starting to come on so it's this older wiser grizzled <laughs> George Lucas look. <laughs> The the vortex, the central point of the hair, is very large. It's starting to experiment, too, with almost like a very like Elvis kind of 50s, like greaser thing of where he's got the vortex in the middle, the, 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 most, the highest point, the highest volume point. But he's almost like doing a thing where he wants like a little trickle in the middle of his forehead. 
You see that a lot in a lot of the 88, 89 photos. Well, and he's also kind of experimenting with more mustache, less beard. That's, yeah, and that's true, and I didn't notice that. It's The mustache is very long, and the beard is very short. Classic, but mixing things up. It's, this is like the Phantom Menace period of his, of his hair. And also, there's two things that I've noticed also in this period of time. If you look at some of the photos from like 88, you can see he's wearing the same shirt he's wearing with the no beard in the Star Tours photos. So he he only has so many shirts. And it's just further proof that that strange person in the Star Tours photos actually is George Lucas and wasn't some George Lucas impersonator that they found. His like security decoy in case there's violence. Can't have the real Lucas out in public. So then we go into the 90s, the early 90s with George Lucas. And I think the interesting thing going into the 90s is we kind of, we get more Silver Fox. He's got new glasses. He's got these round glasses, which kind of hang around for a while. But towards like 92, 93 or so, the vortex starts to shift down lower into like this bizarre kind of pompadour part going on yeah it's like a it's kind of like a wave it's like his hair starts to turn into water (laughs) maybe this is when he first starts thinking about camino and it's manifesting in his hair instead of a planet full of water it's hair made entirely out of water yeah, because if you go back and look at like 89 like the filming of last crusade it's just a it's basically a pompadour it creates this this wave of bangs across his forehead in the early 90s. This is clearly visible, too, if you watch a lot of the, the wonderful Panasonic Japanese George Lucas commercials. It's all around this early 90s time, and you can really kind of see this kind of wave going on in the front of his hair. We can truly experience the universe. Now, we can experience the universe. Panasonic, Itsumo, something new. Because now we're going into a very busy time for him. Now we're into like the mid 90s, 94, 95, 96. The wave is still around, but the hair is getting huge, especially as we get into 96, which is fascinating because now we're going into prime special edition time. Again, the creative energy is flowing. The pencil is going on paper also with The Phantom Menace with episode one. Yeah, the hair is getting big and it's also getting very gray. There's like there's only so much energy to go around. And if you're writing Phantom Menace, you're thinking about the special editions and you're growing big hair and a beard. There's there's not enough energy to go around. So it's got to go gray. It was only a matter of time. Yeah, because really, like, the Panasonic commercials, it's getting very salt and pepper. And just a few years later, when he's talking to Leonard Moulton on the the Half Faces, like the, the THX releases on VHS... It's really salt and pepper, and there's some incredible just gray just waves going through the hair. But then when we get into, like, just straight up 96, it's all gray. So then by, then, by now we're in 97, 98, and we are filming The Phantom Menace. 
And this is kind of, I wouldn't say a new chapter, but definitely an evolution in his hair because it's, it's keeping the kind of wild Camino water planet look, but it's somehow trimmed and contained a little bit and much rounder yet still covered in waves. Well, and I think the interesting thing that is going on here with like the, the Phantom Menace era. Yeah. It's very, it's very controlled. It's very tight looking. I think you see that especially post Phantom Menace around 2000. It's like Lego hair. It's, it's just a round ball on top of his head and kind of the, as we get farther away from Phantom Menace, that Camino wave in the front starts to just kind of get sucked back up into an old school pompadour. And I almost wonder if that is the return to the director's chair. Like after Phantom Menace, he's, he's back in the director's chair and he's, the wave in the front is kind of just going back up into the old way. Yeah, that's the part of his hair in charge of directing. <laughs> his prefrontal hair wave. The round glasses start to appear more and more often, too. And the the length of the mustache kind of goes back and forth, too, depending on what photo you look at. Well, and this is maybe an attempt at, at, at finding some balance, because as the hair gets bigger in this phase, the beard gets tighter and shorter. You know, maybe he's learned that, you know, if the hair and the beard get out of balance, that it's just that's not a way to live. And that's why he was so happy directing the prequels because he found that balance in his hair and his beard through the force you will find balance as well yeah kind of around the time of sith it is really tight there's not a whole lot of looseness going on but then something really interesting happens lucas's life around 2006 2007 changes dramatically well, I believe, right, that's when he meets Melody Hobson. And much like the influence of Linda Ronstadt, the influence of Melody is the return of kind of extreme Wildman Lucas, in a way. It kind of a, the next chapter in extreme Wildman Lucas. Yeah, where suddenly we have photos of George Lucas showing up at events, not even rocking a pompadour at all. It's almost closer back to Star Tours era, where it's just parted down the side with this incredible wave going on on the side. Well, and there's even photos of him from this era where he's like, looks like full on Kenny Rogers hair. Like he's there to party, but to party with respect. <laughs> the other thing I like around this era, too, is suddenly you you find photos of him smiling. I think every year, if you go searching for photos of George Lucas, he just looks miserable in every single photo. Like, but suddenly around 2006, 2007, 2008, he's smiling. He's on the set of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, just having a great time. Well, and his, his hair's having a great time, too. It's It's going wherever it wants, doing whatever it wants. He's just letting it be. It's the new chapter. The Star Wars saga for him, as far as he knows, is done. It's like we're doing Clone Wars. We're having a good time. The hair's just loosey-goosey, feeling good. He's wearing, like, sunglasses all the time. He's, like, driving NASCAR cars and stuff. But then every once in a while, you see him show up in an event, and his hair's, like, super slicked back, too. 
But what's more of Lucas than that, where you think you know what you're going to get and he doesn't give it to you? Right. There's no rules. The only rule is there's no rules. So then we get into, what, 2010 to 2016. This is an interesting time because this is about around when, what, he sells uh, Lucasfilm to Disney. It's fascinating to the hair during this period of time because it's a little bit of the wild, loose era, but it's also very controlled. Yeah, it's interesting because it is. It's like you you started with the wild, the wildness, and you trimmed it back, but you didn't completely trim it back to where it's like a smooth, round hairdo. It's still got like a little bit of little claws coming out of it, just to let you know the wild man's just lurking just under the surface. It's like he's doing it himself, and he combs it back or something, and then he purposely messes it up. I think a little bit. <laughs> it's it's almost like. Somebody's combing his hair and he's like, no, I'm going to, I got to shake it up a little bit or, or he's combing his hair because we can't forget if you remember from uh, a crystal skull episode, he was the one who taught Shia LaBeouf proper comb technique. And he had a plastic comb in his pocket at all times, not Shia LaBeouf, George Lucas does. So he, maybe he does it and he's like, oh no, 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 no. I don't want to do this anymore. And then he, yeah, then he has second thoughts and he messes it up. Well, and that really brings us into kind of a modern era, Lucas, where everything's kind of coming together in the modern era. I mean, he's got the round glasses going on just about all the time. Just about every photo of him recently, he's got the plaid shirt. Like there's a lot of photos in the early 90s where the only time you'll see Lucas if he was out at something with like Spielberg or something, where there just wasn't much going on with Star Wars or something. But he was always wearing like a suit and tie and like a jacket and stuff. And I love that like now, like the premiere of Solo or something, he's just wearing like an untucked flannel shirt or something or the opening of Galaxy's Edge and he'll get a flannel shirt on and he'll just put a sport coat over it. Does He just doesn't care. And now we're also in the era where if he's not in an event and he's just out in public, he's got the button-up plaid shirt on, but he's wearing shorts and really doesn't care what anyone thinks about his outfit. Not even his wife, I don't think. It's a dress shirt, plaid shirt, untucked. Right. It's an extra long shirt made to be tucked in that he just does not care if it's tucked in. Forever the rebel. Even with tucking shirts in or not tucking them in. And it doesn't, I love that it doesn't matter if he's going to a movie premiere or, yeah, a Disney park event or something or a Van Gogh exhibit at a museum in Chicago. It's just going to be the plaid shirt. And maybe if he's just hanging out at a museum exhibit, he's going to wear shorts with it. If he's going to some official Disney thing, he's like, oh, okay, I better put pants on for this one. But he's always wearing the the, the white Nike Monarchs, too. That's why he made Star Wars and did Skywalker Ranch and all this stuff his whole life. Because when he was in his 70s, he just wanted to wear whatever he wanted to wear and never had to tuck in a shirt again. And we should all admire his dedication because that that's where I want to be in my 70s. Never tucking in my shirt ever again. Because, well, the most recent kind of photos we have of him from just last year... I think he's at true balance now because we can't really see the beard. He's, he's wearing a mask. You can kind of see a little bit of the beard peeking out the side. I'm sure the beard is in peak form. But the hair is tight, yet also very loose. 
No, you're right. It it really is the the ultimate combination of all his looks. It's a little wild. It's a little contained. Not too long on top, not too short on the beard. It's the ideal Lucas. It took him 70 years, but he found that ultimate balance in his life and in his hair and in his beard. Well, you said there, though, it's so true with even Star Wars. It's a little wild. It's a little contained. Best of Star Wars, you could say that about that. Like, hey, what'd you think of the book of Boba Fett? Well, it was a little wild, but it was a little contained, too. <laughs> and, that's, and that's Lucas's hair. And the journey of George Lucas and the vortex and the hair and the creative power, it's a constant source of inspiration for us. I couldn't think of anything better to talk about for our 300th episode. And I think by exploring the history of Lucas's mysterious, powerful hair, beard, fashion combo, I think we may have just figured out all Star Wars in general. We may have figured out the way for a perfect life. How do you find balance in your life? How do you find happiness? How do you find joy, true joy? The secrets are out there, and they're out there in George Lucas's hair. When I was trying to pitch uh, Star Wars, I had an idea to do this kind of uh, film. I was curious. I just an idea I had about psychological motifs that are in mythology and if they're still accurate today. Because the great thing about mythology is an oral medium up until they learned how to write. But before that, with Homer and everybody, they would just tell the story. They go to people's houses, tell the story, get a free dinner. Yeah. And that's how they made their livings. And then it passed down from father to son, father to son. Yeah. And it, again, told the people what the rules are. You know, it's the same thing as a church. And uh, all the things we got that make us a community that we all believe in and share is what they use to go from a family to a tribe and from a tribe to a city yeah. uh, and then to a country. I said, I wonder if the people still think the way they thought then. What makes a hero? Yeah. What's friendship? What's the idea of sacrificing yourself for something larger? Yeah. They're all really basic things. They say, well, right. you don't have to make a movie about that. It's very obvious, but it's actually not. It's not that obvious to a lot of people, unless you have somebody tell you every generation that this is what our country believes in. But this is what we believe in. You know, basically don't kill people yeah. and be compassionate and love people. And so that's basically all Star Wars is. Don't just take it from us. Listen, we asked some of our friends, some people that inspire us on a daily basis, some people that we've gotten to know through the show. We asked them the very important, very serious question of their favorite era of George Lucas' hair. Let's go through some of them. Let's start out with Phil Sostak, creative art manager of Lucasfilm, writer of all the best art of Star Wars books, the art of the sequel trilogy, Art of Mandalorian 1 and 2, Art of Mandalorian Season 2 literally just came out, so if you have not gotten it yet, it's a good one. It's, it's a real good one. We're going to have an episode all about that book in the very, very near future. 
Phil's pick for favorite Lucas Hare. He's got to go with the early 70s THX era Young George. The glasses-hair-beard combo in those years is just so cool. And it would seem to be a pre-flannel era, which is crazy to imagine. It's hard to argue with that pick. You could argue that that's peak Lucas. He went on to say that the hair is at its most full, although the beard may have been longer later. And those thick rim glasses are just chef's kiss. So, I, 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 you know, hey, we can't disagree with Phil. He spends his day looking at some of the best artwork in the world. So he's got an eye for quality. <laughs> yeah, THX, Lucas Hair, that's some quality. Let's hear from our friends from the Pink Milk podcast. They say they got to go with the prequel era. I think it fits the romanticism of this time. It perfectly fits the romantic energy of Attack of the Clones, Padme, and Anakin. It harkens back to a time before, but without a hair out of place. Yeah, yeah I didn't even think about that. Really, the, the prequel era, I'd say especially around 2002, there is a romantic aspect in the hair. No, I see it. I see it. And it's it's also kind of the, he's older, but not that old kind of thing. It, and that's the very tight era. That's the very controlled era, which you could even make the comparison, too, of the, the tighter control over what's going on screen. Also, what's going on screen, tight control. What's going on on his head, tight control. Yeah, finally happy because anything he can imagine, he can put in his movies. And anything he can imagine... He has the technology to do it with his hair. David W. Collins, sound wizard, making magic on the Book of Boba Fett, Bad Batch, Visions, all kinds of stuff. He was on the show last year. He's been on the show a couple times. He's got two choices. He just says, prequel hair, exclamation point, and the THX 1 and 3 8 hair. So that's two votes for prequel hair and two votes for THX 1 and 3 8. I think we're starting to see a little trend here. Okay, our friends from Fanthatrax in the UK. Here we go. Phantom Menace era. Gray, but enough of a quiff to remind you he's still a rebel who'd steal your pod racer for a blast round Beggar's Canyon and have it back in time for Spotchka's at Chalman's Cantina. That's three for prequel era. He was definitely a charmer. Kara DJ, creator of the incredible Star Wars fanzine Into a Larger World. She wrote, I think I'd have to say George during the production of The Phantom Menace. Such a thick head of hair with the gray coming through, a real salt and pepper icon. He's back in the director's chair of Star Wars and ready to change the way movies are made. Must have been, yeah, some magic in that silver gray hair on his head. <laughs> that romanticism. Tom Spina, Regal Robot. You know him. You love him. We're not calling him on the phone. Don't be scared, Tom. But... <laughs> Tom's pick is just a photo. He sent a photo of Lucas and Mark Hamill, the cover of the making, Rinsler's Making of Star Wars book, with that windswept Tunisia look. That's another really good one. I'm kind of surprised we didn't get more of, of the windswept Tunisia look. Just because that's almost the most recognizable, other than the prequel era. Charlotte and Caitlin from the wonderful Star Wars podcast, Sky Talkers, their pick, another photo evidence. It's that wonderful photo of George Lucas where he's got the camera up on his shoulder. It's big hair. It's beard. 
I'm thinking it's probably close to the THX era, but they're saying it's all about the volume. <laughs> and not so much the volume film in Mandalorian, but the volume of the hair. It's all about the height, the bounce. For all we know, the real reason they called the volume the volume was in honor of the volume of George Lucas's hair. That makes as much sense as anything. It makes total sense because the volume was kind of the the long-standing Lucas dream. And that's where all the ideas come from, from that the big hair, the big ideas. And this is the biggest idea from the big hair, the volume of the big hair. Here we go. I would like to be on the volume and just project on that jumbo 50K screen just Lucas's hair. And it can be like, honey, I shrunk the kids and we can just run through it. Just think they could project like you're inside of his hair and it's like you're inside of George Lucas's head and you just look around and you just see the, the inside of his hair surrounding you. <laughs> they have the technology now, Jason. They can do it. And finally, incredible artist Christian Alsman pretty much came up with the, the design for Grogu for Baby Yoda. No big deal, right? No big deal. What's his pick? His hair only changes color. It's been amazing in every decade. Then later, he narrows it down to, and I really like this. He says, if I had to pick one, it's that Superman curl he was doing, pointing directly to the 2007-2008 era. I think we're really realizing there's really no wrong answer. No, there's not. Also, I think before we go, we should probably ask each other. Jason, what what was what is your... If you had to pick one era of Lucas hair. It's easy for me. It's that post-Jedi, Temple of Doom from Star Wars to Jedi, the unbuttoned shirt, the huge hair, the wild man. It's all about death. Perhaps Linda Ronstadt guitar lessons, Lucas. I think I have to agree with you. I'm kind of surprised that no one else picked that because I kind of would have thought that that was like the signature look because... That's the one I think of. Yeah. The like howling at the moon, Wolfman, George Lucas, running wild in Skywalker Ranch, eating deer with his bare hands. Well, and the wonderful thing is hopefully we have many, many more years of Lucas hair to observe. Many more documentaries for him to show up on Disney Plus and just surprise us of him sitting on a porch talking about Boba Fett or something. <laughs> I don't even know. I just made him. I didn't even think about it. So we, we can continue to observe and track the hair. A glimpse into the, the mind of the wizard. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is outrageous.
Be quick. Your action, sure. Yoda puppet and the Force lightsaber, each sold separately. As you move your lightsaber, the sound of the Force moves with you. It can be a powerful friend. That is your first lesson. Learn it well. The Force is my lightsaber. The Force is in all things, even you, my young Jedi. The Force lightsaber and new Yoda puppet, each sold separately from Kenner Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Folks, so you know the deal with Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this episode, go over there, write a little something nice about the show in general, about episode 300. Maybe write a little something about Lucas Hare. Maybe let us know in an Apple Podcast review what your favorite era of Lucas Hare is. Regardless, whatever you do, it helps the show. It helps more people find Blast Points when they look up Star Wars Podcasts. And we just love it makes us so happy when we see new reviews. And make sure you check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. And we should have a special treat to go along with this episode of we'll post the lots and lots and lots of George Lucas hair pictures we were looking at. And make sure you are following us on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you are a member of our Super Chill Group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army over there on the Patreon, where that's where all of our Book of Boba Fett review episodes are. That's where old Mandalorian review episodes are, Clone Wars, commentaries, so much more. Pretty soon, I think we're going to have like a, a Q&A kind of episode on there again. It's been a while since we've done that. But we got to take a second and give a huge thank you to the new folks of the Blast Points Army. So a huge thank you to Johnny, George, Jonathan, Roy, Michael, Jeffrey, Jason, Eric, Zachary, Jennifer, The Infinite Now, and Stephen, Nicola, Pat, M, Stephen, David, Mithrandir, Chris, Buck, and Justin. Thank you all so much. Hope you're enjoying all the bonus stuff on there. And also a huge thank you to everyone else that is part of the Blast Points Army. You are also awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate everyone who listens and everyone who supports us on Patreon. It's been kind of an incredible 300 episodes. It really has. <laughs> it's been amazing. Well, and this this year is not uh, it's not letting us slow down at all. It's <laughs> no. we got a whole lot more to go. So, and again, like we said in the beginning of the episode, if you're listening to this right now, you're the whole reason we're doing this whole thing, all this craziness, and we cannot thank you enough for listening. You listening right now to this, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, yeah, on that note, thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye, everybody.
May the force be with you. 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 May the force be with you, Master. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. May the force be with us. May the force be with us all.